You think you think there are any shops that are still open around here now? Chuck, you can't go to a shop. We're doing a live show. There's no time. Live? Yeah, it's Saturday night live. Wait a second. You mean literally live? Yes. Really? Yeah, and like you should be working on your monologue because you have to go out and do it in one minute. You do this actually live? Yes. You know, like live from New York. It's Saturday night. <laughs> You like it a juice? Wait a minute. I had one too. Mm. A juice delicious too. Arizona green tea. Mm. Welcome to Saturday. No, this fucking Dad. sucked. Oh, come on. I hate this. I'm glad Charles Grown is dead. I'm glad Gilda Radner's dead. I'm glad John Belushi's dead. I'm glad Jim, Bel- Jim Belushi should die. Just so I, when I mistake them, they're both fucking dead. Fuck this. Uh, this sucked. I I only half half agree with you. Uh, welcome to Saturday Night Jive, where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. This is our Charles Grodin tribute episode. The fuck Avengers. Charles Grodin, fuck Clifford, fuck Beethoven, fuck other things I'm sure he was in. Uh, I I enjoyed this. For for anyone who doesn't know, uh, this season three, episode four of Saturday Night Live, Charles Grodin hosted, and the. Um, what do you call it? Uh, not the the rumor, uh, the legend, the myth was that he missed dress rehearsal and was completely off book and uh, was banned for SNL for life for uh, just being an incompetent host. But when you watch it, it's it's, it's obviously totally a, a joke. Bit. It's totally a bit. It's yeah. obvi- like it starts with the cold open and they're they're reading line like they're acting. <laughs> this is planned. This is staged. But that's the problem. If it were real, it would be interesting. Or just do a regular episode, because this fucking meta shit sucks ass. I can't... I got... It was the bee sketch that broke me. Because I was just like, fucking... I get the joke. It's the same fucking joke over and over again. I I mean, I, I can see why this would have appealed to them to do this kind of experimental thing with the show three seasons in. But you don't do anything with it. I think they did enough. I... I don't want them. I didn't want them to do more of it because what it we got because well, of how much it, it sucked. It is repetitive because where where else could you take it? I mean, you could have had him like coming out in a bathrobe or some shit, like completely unprepared. Well, like there were some things like the bee sketch. I feel like that should have been stupider. Like the sketch itself, because it ends with we're getting. I'm getting ahead of myself, obviously, but like Jim Belushi ends with like defending his art. It should have been like pot like. like Pablo the farting ghost or something and he's continuously farting as he's saying like this is my art this is what I strive for but it's just him in a bee costume and it's eh. no I just there was things you could do all throughout you could point out the fucking inherent racism of the samurai sketch like I never really thought about it before but yeah this is really fucking racist what I don't think anybody in 1977 was like John Belushi is uh un PC for playing a samurai I mean I'm just saying for what they did with it, it felt... You know what it feels like? It feels like this was half true. 
Like, Charles Grodin didn't want to do much on this episode. Maybe he wasn't confident with himself as a live performer, so they came up with this bit as a thing. Like, you can be on the show, and the joke is that you're unprepared, and then you don't have to actually prepare any sketches. You don't even have to do any fucking costume changes. You're just gonna be Charles Grodin throughout the entire episode, and you can fucking phone it in. He fucking phoned it in, I think. I don't think so, because if you've ever seen Charles Grodin's appearances on, like, David Letterman, this was kind of his shtick. Like, when he's on Letterman, he always pretends like uh, like he hates David Letterman, you know, and like he's the world's worst talk show guest. That's like a bit he likes to do. No, and I, I get it. And I get that Charles Grodin was a very sort of cerebral guy. Uh, you know, I, I think I talked about this on my other podcast, uh, Dirty Sins of Bitch. Did you ever hear of the script he wrote for The Joy of Sex? No. Well, it eventually turned into another movie called Movers and Shakers, which I'm very interested in seeing. But he was With commissioned. Walter Matthau? I think, yeah, I think Walter Matthau's in it. Is that the one where they're making a movie about a sex book? I think so. Yeah. Well, the plot of that, because he was commissioned to write The Joy of Sex, and he basically wrote, like, a Charlie Kaufman adaptation kind of thing, where it was about a writer going insane trying to write a book based on a sex manual. And then they didn't want to make it, so they eventually made some teen sex comedy with somebody else, so he turned that script into Movers and Shakers, which is apparently that plot. I've wanted to see that. So I'm just saying, he's a big meta guy. I get it. He's into that shit. But... This made me want to fucking kill myself. Uh, I liked it. I, because especially if you're watching Saturday Night Live back in the day, you know, this is like, what the hell? It's new. I, I don't know if I would have been fooled by it in like a kind of Orson Welles, uh, War of the Worlds type deal. But do you think there were people on, uh, staying up late on Saturday Night Live going like, what the fuck? Charles Grodin is just like, he's, he's off his fucking rocker. Well, my instinct would be to say no, but that's me in 2021 watching this and going, who could possibly not understand that this was a bit? But oh, you yeah. forget how fucking dumb people were and still are. Like, I was like, I was thinking about that recently. Like, there's something about somebody who was gay and like nobody, like like Paul Lind or you know uh, Freddie Mercury. Like, they there were people that Liberace. literally, yeah, they didn't know they were gay. And it's like, how do you, how did you not know that people were just fucking dumb in the seventies? So yeah, maybe they watched this and were like, yeah, Charles Grodin isn't acting. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's obvious that he is. Uh, when, the cold open is obviously scripted. It's just basically setting up the, the gag. Charles Grodin missed dress rehearsal, and I guess he's just going to wing it. He also doesn't know that the show's live. Uh, and then he does his monologue, which is just kind of the same thing. So it gets off to kind of a slow start. We're just kind of setting up the bit. You know, I, I've never seen the Saturday night show, but uh, I hear it's a wonderful, wonderful show. <laughs> Uh, I wish I'd had more time during the week to rehearse and, and, and really work on the skits with all the gang here, but, but how can you come to New York and, and not see a, at least a couple of Broadway shows? And, and I had never been to the top of the World Trade Center, and uh, you know it's higher than the Empire State Building? It takes forever to get to the top, but you can see all of New York, and... Uh, a lot of New Jersey, I think even part of Connecticut. It's just a tremendous view. So, uh, I, I haven't been around too much this week, but uh, I think they've got me in some crazy skits. And uh, while I've been here doing some promos for the show, I, I've seen the kids uh, rehearsing, and uh, it, it looks like a, a really cute show. I enjoyed it. My big problem is that it's too artificial. If they had tried to, like, actually make me think, that, like, he maybe he showed up late, like, they're not sure what to do, like, 
you know, I don't know, maybe Bill Murray is playing a character, and then Charles Grodin comes in, like, sorry, I'm late, I'm, I'm, I'm here. And it's like, yeah, I, no, I, we, I recast you, like, because you were late. And like, no, I'm ready for the show. Like, and like, they tried to make it a real thing, like an Andy Kaufman style, like, happening. Then maybe I would have appreciated it more as it went. But it's yeah, well, too much of a, a performance. Oh, yeah. Well, and speaking of that, uh, yeah, no one really talks about this episode of SNL, but uh, the episode of Fridays with Andy Kaufman is notorious, where it's kind of the same thing, except he did it the way you're talking. The cast wasn't in on it, or at least some of them might have been, some of them weren't. But I don't think everyone was in on it when Andy Kaufman did it. And I get why that's a problem, why you shouldn't do that. Because it's unprofessional. There's a point where you have to trust your cast to be able to play real. But this goes too far in the other direction. I think there's a happy medium between those two where you can try to make it believable without fucking with anybody, or at least anybody that's working on it. Like, you're just fucking with the audience. I think you, they could have done that, and they didn't. Yeah, well, it it's so weird that this was, like, a, a notorious thing. Cause yeah, Charles Grodin, if you look up, if you Google search banned SNL hosts... Charles Grodin's on that list, um, which apparently he, like, liked that. Um, he was in, I guess he was invited back to host the show, and he was like, no, 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 because I like the urban legend that I fucked up the show in 1977. I was never invited back. So he liked that mystique about him. But I would argue the cast is, like, too good <laughs> at being actors, or I guess they know their lines too well. So, yeah, when sketches do fall apart... And Charles Grodin's like, hey, what's going on? The cast is, like, jumping on cue. So it just, it seems so written. Well, but, and with, with like, John Belushi, because he's the one that keeps coming back hating it, it, I actually got the feeling that there was some reality to that. Like, maybe he wasn't so on board with this experimental thing. Like, he was playing along because he had to, but, like, I, I kind of got the sense that he didn't really like doing this. Like, at the very end in The Good Nights, like, it felt like he was like, yeah, we did your fucking stupid idea, Charles Grodin, and it kind of sucked. Well, that's a definite possibility. Belushi was infamously terrible to work with. But yeah, I just, every time, because there are other sketches that are fine that don't have Charles Grodin in them, but this feels like, like, Charles Grodin is going to do this thing. Like, he brought this to them, like, I have this idea, I want to do this bit, and they were like, sure, we'll do it. And then they were like, I guess we'll just do a bunch of other sketches that you're, you're not in that can just be regular sketches. And those were, I mean, none of them were really all that funny, but they were much better than the ones that Charles Grodin pretends to ruin. Yeah, but the sketches that he does ruin were like, what the fuck, were you going to, you, you were going to enjoy Samurai Dry Cleaner and Killer Bee Halloween? But, but Samurai Dry Cleaner was a recurring bit. People love that shit regardless of whether it's ruined. I know, and I I dug it. Um, I mean, I agree. the The execution is uh, worse than the idea, because um, yeah, if I was directing it, I would make it completely fall apart. You know, I I would have you know <laughs> John Belushi chop off Charles Grodin's head accidentally. Well, because like, well, yeah, like chopping off a finger or something that would be funny. Yeah, but like, the, the, and I'm gonna say something that's gonna make me sound like a fucking moron right now. But, like, the Francis Ford Coppola episode we watched, I'm about 95% sure he didn't actually direct that episode. That's just the joke, and it was still their regular directors. But it's done well enough that I'm, like, part of me is like, maybe he did. Maybe, like, I mean, yes, I know that's the joke, but maybe they also let him direct. I, I fell for it a couple times, too, when we watched that episode. <laughs> I think I said it on that podcast. I was like, cut Francis Ford Coppola some slack. 
He's, I know he's a terrible actor, but he's busy directing the show. And he's not used to directing live television. Wait a minute, he didn't fucking do any of that shit, that's just a fucking joke. But that's, I would never get that here. I, w- I would always like, okay, this is the dumb bit that is now five beats past its fucking prime. Yeah, and I think uh, watching it this time, um, it, it wasn't as classic as I remember it. The first time I watched this episode, I went into it thinking I was getting Adrian Brody, Milton Berle, like... Oh my god, this is gonna be crazy, like Charles Grodin grows off book. And then like immediately I'm like, wait a minute, this is a bit. And this bit has sustained itself for fucking 40 years. Like, like I said, Google Charles Grodin SNL. It's gonna say Charles Grodin didn't show up to the dress rehearsal. Like, people think this is fucking real to this day. And that's the thing. Imagine if... Like, there's a biopic. You know, like, in, in the Andy Kaufman movie, how they reveal for the first time that, like, Jerry Lawler was in on it? Yeah. Like, imagine if there's an Adrian Brody movie years from now, when we find out, like, they reenact him doing the Jamaican thing, and then it's, like, Lauren Michaels in the background going, just as we planned. Like, that would be fucking mind-blowing, because that's how, like, great that real moment is. But this, it's like, it, yeah, it, this is so deflating, because it's obviously fucking fake. Yeah. Um, Alright, so where do we go? We're getting into the play-by-play. Uh, we talked about the cold open, the monologue. Um, the, the first sketch of the night, proper sketch of the, the show, is uh, the fucking Conehead's Halloween. The audience is at, la- this is like a sitcom. Like, Beldar enters the room and people are like, hey! Like, it's fucking Kramer walking in the door. I just, I can't wait for Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray to die so that I can be glad they're dead because of this episode. <laughs> um, I, the Conehead's Halloween was mad. The only joke i laughed at was when they eat the pumpkin uh no they're well because they're giving kids uh six packs of beer and fried eggs as halloween treats because they're fucking aliens they don't know and then uh when when bill murray just pulls out a fried egg out of the trick-or-treat bag he's like yeah you can't give these fried eggs but like you can't like pick up a fried egg like with two fingers (laughs) that's not gonna work so it's obviously like a fucking prop fried egg I gotta laugh at that. Beldar, go greet them and dispense the consumables. Greetings. Enter. Accept these treats. Beer and fried eggs. <laughs> Aren't you humans a little too old for this sort of thing? Well, we're not trick-or-treating. Uh, I'm Carl Van Arsdale, and this is my wife, Charlene. We're block parents here in Parkwood Heights. Uh, yes, I know your family's just moved into the neighborhood, and I'm, I'm sorry we had to meet under these circumstances, but... Uh, I don't know where you people are from, but we of Parkwood Heights do not give liquor to minors. Yes, we were extremely upset to find six packs of brewski in the children's trick-or-treat bags. Uh, we are seriously considering port- reporting this to the police, Mr. Uh... Conehead, I am Beldar. This is Primat and our young one, Connie. We're from France. I know, I know, I'm not saying that's not amusing. I just feel like it would have been much better if it was all food from Subway. <laughs> And they t- and they would eat the subway, and then they would turn the subway logo directly to camera and go, "Mmm, subway! It crosses all intergalactic boundaries of good taste. It feeds the bleep blorp. Eat fresh." <laughs> uh, yeah, Conehead's Halloween. I, you know, if you've seen one fucking Conehead sketch and a fucking movie that we watched, yeah. you've pretty much seen all the. And the only thought I had from this was. I mean, I know they changed the daughter because obviously that lady had gotten older, but I think even when we watched that, uh, watched the movie, we were like, they could have brought her back. Like, it doesn't matter. She could still look like an old lady and be a daughter. I think they changed her because she sucks. Lorraine Newman? <laughs> uh, yeah, hmm, 
Yeah, she had some good shit. Just, just, just admit it, George. Just come over to the dark side. Saturday Night Live sucks, and it's always sucked, and it always will suck. Our podcast is ridiculous. Oh, I, I said I agree with you. Saturday Night Live sucks. I mean, half of it does. <laughs> For the majority, if you watch an episode of Saturday Night Live, you're not gonna like half of it. So I you will... say half? That's so generous. Even the episodes are like that was a relatively good one. Maybe I like three sketches. Like, it's more than half of any given episode that I like that sucks. I, yeah, well, it depends, I guess. I mean, we've all also pretty much, uh, you know, dabbled exclusively in bad episodes. No, but this this show makes, watching this show for this podcast makes me want to rewatch Mad TV to see if I was too hard on that show. Like, was because I always thought, like, Mad TV, that's like the lesser Saturday Night Live. I don't know that that would be possible now. Like, I have to watch that go, like, did I just judge that harshly because of what I thought Saturday Night Live was? Could that have been better, actually? I don't know. Mad TV I never liked because, the, like, the, my least favorite part of Saturday Night Live is the recurring characters. And that was, like, all Mad TV was. Like, every time I turned on that show, it was... That's what I remember, yeah. You look like a man and, like, the, the man-child boy. And it was just all these fucking characters that I kept seeing in every goddamn episode. Well, it's just that what I feel like they probably never did was let Charles Grodin come on with a fucking bit where he forgot his lines and then they kept going back to it, sketch after sketch, to when I got the fucking point and yet it still kept happening until I wanted to slip my fucking wrists. So, so points to Mad TV for not doing that shit. <laughs> I don't know. I, I respect Charles Grodin. I like Charles Grodin. I'm glad he did this. It's different. I don't want different. I just want good. That's I don't care. I mean, yeah, do experiments if the experiment is going to pay off. I love that, like, in, you know, in Community, they would always do, like, a weird episode that's like, this is something different than we normally try. And they were good at what they did, so it would always pay off. This, like, think about it for a second and go, like, okay, are we just going to do the same sketch five fucking times? Oh, then let's not fucking do it. Well, I think... We're getting into the sketch I thought was classic. Well, first we got Charles Grodin just... (laughs) He has a long-winded introduction to a clip from his new movie, but his intro was so long that the clip got cut short. Then we got Paul Simon. But you don't think uh, Consumer Probe is a classic? I mean, it's fun, and the characters work together. This Was this the first time they did it? Because I know this is a recurring bit. Second time. Okay. See, but again... It's the same thing. I've seen it before, and I, I'm sure the original was better. I, it, I just, I don't care. I don't, I, I couldn't enjoy it because the rest of it was so bad. Well, this is the one they, um, if, you know, if you ever watch, like, SNL Best of Halloween or something, this is the sketch they always show on that. Um, so you've probably seen this sketch before. It's Dan Aykroyd as Irwin Mainway getting interviewed about uh, dangerous Halloween costumes like Johnny Space Commander. All right, Mr. Mainway, if you don't think that was unsafe, how about this Halloween costume, which you marked under the label Invisible Pedestrian. It's a Now, it seems to me, Mr. Mainway, a child wearing this costume at night to go trick-or-treating is in grave danger of being hit by a car. Car? What do you mean car, Miss Space? I mean, you know, a car's a pretty big object, right? I mean, kids are smart today, you know. They know when a car's coming at them to jump out of the way. I mean, you know, most of the kids I know go trick-or-treating at houses, right? You don't see too many kids walking along the expressway and knocking on windshields trick-or-treat, right? Uh, this is a sidewalk costume. A sidewalk costume. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we don't recommend it for blind kids. <coughs> I mean, see, that's a warning right in the label. Invisible pedestrian, not for blind kids. <laughs> All right? The invisible pedestrian that's not for blind kids? That's funny. See, but that's, they missed the obvious joke of, well, how's a blind kid gonna read that disclaimer? <laughs> uh, Johnny Combat Action Figure, which is just a helmet and a gun? No, no, this is a, it's a funny premise, and the performances make it work. I'm not gonna deny, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to deny anything is classic from this period. This is maybe the closest thing to it. It's the one thing I remember fondly from this era, but even then, it's like, I was, the, the well was poisoned by fucking Charles Grodin. Ah, uh, see, I, I am, I don't know. I mean, as we go along, maybe I'll agree with you. It did get kind of long. I like, I'll, I'll agree with that it was repetitive, but I still think it's fucking funny. Um, also, Johnny Human Torch, which is just a bunch of oily rags and a lighter. Which, uh, I don't know. I was, because at the very end, he literally sets his coat on fire, and I was wondering, like, how they propped that like did they treat some treat his coat with something to where it would light up but not completely or not dangerously i was just curious that's the thing when i'm thinking of like the practical element of like how did they do that on a stage i shouldn't be thinking about that i should just be laughing and i'm not laughing um maybe they did i don't know because um i also i don't think they really cared a lot it's like this the first five seasons of snl is not like the show now like if they set fire to the set, like, eh, that that just happens. It's fucking Saturday Night Live. It's that show that is on at 11.30 on Saturday. It's not like, I don't know, it, it's, uh, it, it's just different. And it it ended on the, the like, there's just a really weird, like, thing that took me out of it completely. I'd forgotten that they would do this, where they would, like, cl- do close-ups of the audience and, like, put a little caption under them. And on this one, it was living a fib. And it's like, that's not funny. Yeah, and then there was another one that was like, I can't remember what the second one was. Oh, she was a primetime audience member reject. Um, but then it had a good one when they panned up to the audience and Charles Grodin's sitting up yeah, there looking stupid. Yeah, I guess. But again, I, I hated him so much by that point. Uh, I thought that was hilarious when they just panned up to the audience. There's Charles Grodin like just looking co- totally confused. I will agree. I, I don't mean, I They could have gone way further with it. They could have done more sh- shit with it. Um, just some variation on the bit in each one, because it seems like yeah. the same th- the same premise of every sketch that Charles Grodin ruins. It's just he doesn't know his lines, and then he questions the reality of the sketch. I feel like with the Francis Ford Coppola one, they did. I don't remember any of them at this point, but I feel like they tried to do different things with that idea. Eh, I don't know. I think that was pretty repetitive too. It was just a sketch, and then Francis Ford Coppola. Would I just come in. I don't remember coming away with that impression after the fact. I don't remember going like I really hated this because it was the same joke. So I feel like at least they did it in a more subtle fashion that it didn't bother me. Where here it bothered me almost immediately. Yeah, I know. I, but yeah, I don't know. Do you think they were trying to pull a fast one or because this is the first time they've really done something like this where like. You know, they're doing like an inside joke almost. They're trying to pull a fast one on the audience. But do you think they were trying to do that? Or like, maybe they were like, well, yeah, everyone's going to know this is a bit. Like, I I can't. Well, again, the 70s is a different time. They were, they, everybody was stupider, even the people making this show. So they might have thought they were pulling it off when they clearly weren't. I don't know. And they were. So a lot of people, a lot of people thought it was real. So again, you have to like. 
they could not do this today, or at least if they did it today, they would have to do it more like I was talking about with the Andy Kaufman thing, where like they would have to like commit more to the reality of the bit. And they, I mean, I don't know. I guess again, people were just stupider back then. So, well, Tom Green kind of did it. Well, but again, did Tom Green do it, or how much of that was actually just Tom Green being Tom Green? I mean, he like went to dress rehearsal, like everything was staged, but um, he he went off script a, a lot in that episode. Because like he's not a band host, right? I don't think so, but I I don't think they officially banned him. I think Tom Green's career did that for him. Well, sure, but I just mean like. I think that the, to the extent that he was allowed to improv because they knew he was Tom Green and that's what he does, they they left moments for that and he he existed within those boundaries. And then when he had to stay to the script, he stayed to the script. He, yeah, you know he he did he did his job. Whereas, and I think Charles Grodin is sticking to the script that they had, which is a fake bullshit non-script. But I just I don't know. I, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't. I mean, I I kind of remember that Tom Green episode fondly, to be honest. I, I like that one. I think it's a good episode. Uh, I remember just the end when he's like screaming at the audience. Yeah. I think doesn't Drew Barrymore leave him at the end? Yes, they they he uh, proposes to Drew Barrymore in the monologue. Says they're going to get married at the end of the show, but she uh, doesn't show up. Yeah, I remember. I remember really laughing at that. Yeah, uh, I like. Of course, that I was a episode. dumb Tom Green fan back then as well. So I was too. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad about that. Like. Like, I regret that more than, like, like I was, like, homophobic and probably a little racist. I would say, like, some really shitty things. I think I regret liking Tom Green more than any of that. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember, I would have, I think I was, like, a junior or senior in high school. I thought the Bum Bum song was, like, the fucking g- most genius thing of comedy. Like, oh my god, my bum is on a tree. My bum is on a squirrel. No, I never called in to request anything on Total Request Live, but if I would, it probably would have been the Bum Bum song. It went to number one, I remember. Well, so did, didn't, what was that one, the fake boy band they had? Together? Uh, yeah, I remember that too. I just remember like that, like, I like that because Kevin Farley, or because Chris Farley's brother was in it. Yeah, you can call him Kevin Farley, you can call him by his Christian name. <laughs> no, he's more importantly known <laughs> as Chris Farley's brother. I don't care what you know, name is. Instead of confusing John and Jim Belushi every fucking time you bring him up, you should just call John Belushi Jim Belushi's brother. I mean, he Jim Belushi is obviously the most important Belushi, <laughs> so that's the one you would want to mention. Yeah, uh, starring the, Jim Belushi's brother. We'll just say the one who wasn't on According to Jim. <laughs> Bill Murray here. Say, Mr. Mike and I are hard at work. Poor penmanship. Uh, we're checking the entries for our Anyone Can Host contest. Now, many people don't believe there's a contest, but there is. There really is. Really. It has smudge on the corner. Oh. And the contest deadline is November 1st. That's Monday night at midnight. So you gotta send these cards in, really. Now, here's the rules. Tell us on a postcard. Not a letter, but a postcard. Uneven margins. <sighs> in 25 <laughs> words or less, why you'd like to host Saturday night. Typing error. <laughs> Five finalists... Five will be chosen to read their postcards on the air November 19th, and the winner will host our Christmas show December 17th. Oh, this is funny, Bill. Let's keep this one. Uh, do, you, are, do you know about the Anyone Can Host contest? No, I was going to ask about this. Is this real? Because this, this seems is real. like... Well, I feel like I would remember when they pulled the trigger on it and had a fake host, or like a I, real... It was um, the Miskel Spillman, who until Betty White was the oldest host uh, of... She was like an 80-year-old woman. God, I'd be so glad Betty White's show. dead. 
Just because we've been waiting so long. She's like 99 or some shit. I think she's 100 now. Is she? I think wow. she's, maybe she's, be, she's either 99 or 100. Wouldn't it be so great when she's dead? <laughs> we'll all celebrate. Um, but yeah, no, this Anyone Can Host contest that's teased by Bill Murray and Michael O'Donohue uh, was a real thing. Uh, people were asked to write in and uh, say why they would be a good host. Uh, they narrowed it down to five finalists, so they had five people on SNL and uh, people voted for their favorite and this old lady won. Uh, and that's the episode where Elvis Costello sang uh, really radio, radio instead of, can't remember. And then got Thanks banned well. and then wasn't banned for some reason. Yeah, and then he came back. Because um, yeah, that, then we, I, I remember him, in the, at least in the, as, as early as the 90s, I remember the Mighty Like a Rose album. Sorry, I'm a huge Elvis Costello geek, so I remember the actual album he was promoting. Um, so yeah, I don't know when the ban was lifted, if it ever actually existed. I, yeah, I don't... Like, what's banned? You think there's, like, a list, like, in a glass case in Lauren's office? I don't know, because they said uh, Chevy Chase was banned, but I think he showed up later on afterwards. Yeah, I know. I don't think there's an official banned SNL, you know. I think it's just people that they will just not call back. Well, that's like, thank you mentioned Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody's also never going to be famous enough to justify being on SNL again anyway. Like, hey, should we have uh, Ryan Phillippe host the show again? No, nah, he's banned. Why? No, he just sucks. Like, <laughs> why would we do that? I'm pretty sure when uh, when Inappropriate Comedy came out and he was playing Flirty Harry, they were like, oh, damn it, we really should have Adrian Brody back on, but uh, <laughs> Shit, too, we too bad him. he's banned. Uh, we really wanted to promote Inappropriate Comedy. Uh, uh, yeah, Samurai Dry Cleaners is next, starring uh, Jim Belushi's brother, uh, and... Yeah, this is just, this fucking samurai, it's the same goddamn thing every time. But that's why I like that Charles Grodin ruins this, because I I hate recurring characters on Saturday Night Live. They're my least favorite part of the show. And then when you have a sketch with John Belushi doing the samurai dry cleaner, which I've seen a hundred times already, Charles Grodin just shows up and he's like, how do you how do you understand what he's saying? Like he's questioning the, uh, the reality. Oh, Julio! Oh, oh, Julio! Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. We'd love it in a box. <laughs> how do you understand? How do you understand what he's saying? Shh. Julio! Julio! That was prearranged, wasn't it? Shh. No, I mean, it had to, but you had to have a prop down there because it's a great gag. It had to be placed down there and then brought up here, right? Um, listen, I'd like to know, how much do you charge for bedspreads? Uh, Chuck, Chuck, those are John's lines. Oh, John. John, oh, I'm sorry. You know, John, it's such an incredible character that you... I'm sorry, you're very, very good at this character. You just say, it's a terrific makeup. It's very authentic, John. Excuse me, I'm sorry, go ahead. I enjoyed this. The problem I had with this sketch is I kind of forget what this bit was normally. Is it just that he uses a samurai sword and wax things? Or was there Pretty more much. of a twist to it? No, it was, that's all it was. He was, it was samurai insert occupation. So it wasn't always a dry cleaner, but I had like samurai doctor, samurai uh, psychiatrist. I just realized I was going to say, I seem to remember him being a samurai baseball player. But what I'm remembering is the Wired movie where they do that, which I'm sure (laughs) I'm assuming that wasn't actually on the show. That was the unofficial knockoff of the Wired biopic. Uh, But yeah, it was always the same, like. 
you would walk into an establishment where a samurai behind the counter would be inappropriate. I'm assuming they did like a sub shop so he could chop up a sub. I think there was samurai delicatessen. And again, uh, the fact that I can like, because and again, was this just a, a an era before they had like clever twists in sketches? Because like when you get to the fucking Gilda Radner's little girl sketch, I was waiting for like when this was gonna become a sketch where like something interesting would happen beyond a little girl says shit. Well, that one's just a pure one man show performance based sketch. So, but like there should still be like a premise, like a turn where it's like. You know, one of my favorite sketches I always talk about where The Rock is the mad scientist. The premise is a bunch of mad scientists get together to talk about their shit. But the twist is he creates a pedophile robot. Like, there's got to be a thing that like goes like, oh, I thought this was going somewhere and now it's going somewhere else. And none of these sketches have that. It's just samurai at a job and then he does samurai shit. It's never like the, they never do anything. No, well, but most of these guys were, you know improv guys so like you know the judy uh what the fuck's her name judy miller sketch that's something you would see on you know uh, a second city main stage yeah production, and that's why know? all improv sucks i'm sorry george i know it's a passion of yours but oh it no sucks. it's not <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you used to be a big improv guy i've i've done it um but no i don't enjoy it <laughs> i think it's the one of the worst fucking things in the world and i mean i like, does it sucks I like doing it, um, but I don't like watching it. Watching improvisational comedy is uh, is not my idea of a great time. Well, okay, I'll, I'll scratch it because, like, I do like like whose line is it anyway. I think you know, there are professional improv people that are, can be good. The problem is, so many of them suck, and this is just all I, I, the joke is the not ready for prime time players. But it's true; they, these people suck. I don't think they suck. I mean, comparing the this cast. To like who's on the show now, I'm just amazed that these people like know their lines and aren't staring at the cue cards. Because every time I tune into fucking Saturday Night Live these days, I'm like, you guys had a week to rehearse this show. You're still reading off the fucking cue cards and giggling at yourself. There's none of that shit in the first five years. They showed up. They were ready. They knew their lines. What they are you their fucking talking about? This we're watching Weekend Update now, which is like, let's do a fucking silent movie bit. And he's like smiling, mugging at the camera, and it's just like, that's worse. Okay, you know oh. you know your lines, but your lines fucking suck. In any new episode of SNL, there's at least two sketches I like. I there were two sketches I liked in this one. Ugh. I don't think there was one that made me like upset. I mean, some bored me more than others, but... And this is like, you can say the cast is arguably more professional than they are now, but the whole operation is more clean and professional now, which maybe some people miss the messiness of this era, but I fucking don't. This just seems like, yeah, it's on at 1130, because if you tried to pull this shit on primetime, they would fucking laugh you off the fucking stage. I the this first couple years of SNL, you know, it's it's a little raw, it's a little more unpolished. I mean, if you if you fucking watch the show now, there's at least one sketch per episode where like it seems like it's built to have something stupid happen where everybody giggles and laughs. Like it does not seem like a professional operation. Fucking Pete Davidson is still on the goddamn show. Uh, I believe didn't it, uh, he just come out and say that he was uh Leave. Did he officially leave? I, I, I thought he, he gave was. an interview. I think he said this was going to be his last season. Oh, okay. They, I, I was hoping that I didn't hear that officially. I could have misread. I read a headline. I, I didn't actually read the whole article, but it was something like, "Yeah, I, I'm ready to leave. It's my time," or something like that. I, I don't know if it was like specifically this season, but yeah. He said well, he if you watched, 
Yeah, the the season finale of this season that they just had on, it seemed like a lot of people were like making their exit. You know, they were like Cecily Strong had like a weekend update bit where it seemed like this is what she's going out on, and a couple other people were like, "Oh, I think I think that's what they're going out on. I think this is the last episode for him." By the way, and goddamn good. I forgot Cecily Strong was still on the show. I just assumed she left. Yeah, no, they all need to leave. <laughs> Everyone who's on the show has been there for a million years. At, uh, at least at least Keenan Thompson, who already has a... I'm going to say he already has a sitcom. I'm guessing his sitcom probably got canceled, right? Uh, no, it got picked up for season two. Wow. Have you watched Keenan? I have not watched a single episode, and I will never... Unless it's for this podcast, I will never watch a single episode. Oh, oh boy, is that fucking terrible. Uh, I saw the trailers, I assume. Yeah, it's like... It's written like uh, like a single camera, like 80s sitcom, you know, where it's like punchline or setup punchline, but it's filmed single camera. So Don Johnson will tell a terrible joke and like, I, I'm not laughing. The audience isn't laughing. I'm just like, what the, who, what the fuck is this? I don't know. I mean, I, I saw Keenan Thompson and Don Johnson and I just immediately went, <laughs> who? And you're fucking and you're like, I know where I'm going to be Tuesday nights. <laughs> Who fucking greenlit that? <laughs> I'm gonna be sitting on my couch watching Keenan and Don. Oh, my God, I just yeah, no, yeah. it is no. it is a terrible, terrible show. But no, I was just saying, Keenan Thompson, oh, fucking Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, Pete Davidson. Who else has been there too fucking long? Um, uh, a Beck Bennett, Kyle Mooney. They've been there since we started this podcast. There's like, we started doing the podcast uh, in season were, thirty-nine. Aren't they kind of new at that time? I think that was like their first season. Because I remember there was Tina Fey hosted, and there was a sketch with like all the new. It was like so many new people, and yeah. like now it's like no, there are no more new people, and now it's just all the same shitty people you've known for years. Yeah, it's A.D. Bryant, Cecily Strong, Kate McKinnon, Keenan Thompson, and every fucking sketch. I have really like fallen off the SNL map <laughs> recently. I feel like did, when just... we started, were you kind of like on a resurgence? Like I'm watching SNL again, and it's fun. So yeah. let's do a podcast. Oh yeah, no. When we first started this podcast. I had just gotten back into Saturday Night Live. Like, I, I stopped watching for, like, five years, and then I tuned in randomly, and I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. And then I watched, like, two or three episodes, and they must have been on a hot streak, because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is funny. Hey, the show's kicking, man. The show's good now. And then, yeah, you were like, let's do a podcast. I was like, fucking Saturday Night Live, man. Let's talk about it. It's good. <laughs> but, man, I hate it now, man. I know. What a I don't fucking like watching dumb it. idea this was. I know. <laughs> But yeah, weekend update. Oh, uh, the Stephen uh, Biko joke. Stephen who? Is that, how you, is that how you pronounce his name? He was a South African. Oh, uh, I didn't. Civil I did not know anything leader. about this. This joke. Now, yeah, I, oh. I, I knew enough of the context just from the joke to be disgusted, but I did not know who the person was. Oh yeah, okay. Well, because um, I only know him. I mean, I wasn't alive in the 70s when he was uh, around. I only know him because Denzel Washington played him in a movie. Uh, yeah, he was like this South African uh, civil rights leader who was murdered in prison. And Dan Aykroyd, like the second joke of Weekend Update is, uh, I can't even remember the punchline now. But, it was, oh, no. because they, they said he died of a hunger strike, but he was beaten to death. And the joke was they, they force fed him food through his skull. Yeah, they they were trying to force feed him a frozen pork chop through the back of his skull. It was like Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like I don't because like you know Norm Macdonald got shit for like harsh jokes. I don't think he's he ever said anything that actually made me go ugh like that joke did. 
I'm sure there's probably a couple times where Norm went a little too far just to step over the line. But it was always about, like, O.J. Simpson or, or Michael Jackson or somebody who deserved it. That's true. I don't think he ever went after, like, Mother Teresa. That fucking cunt. Like... <laughs> Um, oh, I did. I like the joke about Mar, uh, Mars and Venus colliding. Yeah, kind, I guess. I just, I don't know. Uh, this is, this was really bad. This was like. Oh, yeah. I mean, Charles Rocket was at least kind of fascinating. Like, this is bad, but just like, I don't, I, ever, people, again, people like this. People look back on it. At least people look at Charles Rocket and go, why did they make him do that? But like, so that there's like a layer to it that I can engage with. This, I could not engage with it at all. I know. Uh, you could make an argument that Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin were the worst weekend update anchors in the show's history. I, I, would, I would probably back you up on that. I mean, I think Dennis Miller is just a thing that I don't understand at all. I mean, Colin Quinn still. Uh, this was not a terrible weekend update, but I watched this whole season for my blogs like when I used to do that. And uh, yeah, Dan Aykroyd was... Whew, he was bad. I mean, Jimmy Fallon, too. I mean, we can't, we oh, can't yeah. forget I mean, the Jimmy Fallon once hosted. You gotta put Jimmy Fallon on the list of worst anything. All right, so back to SNL. After Weekend Update, uh, Paul Simon and Charles Grodin start singing, um, uh, what, what are they singing? Uh, Sound of Silence, right? Affair, Sound of Silence, yeah. yeah. Charles Grodin's in a Art Garfunkel wig, and he obviously doesn't know the words. I was digging this, but this is when you... <laughs> You first started going, fuck this shit. It's, but I liked this. Well, again, this in in a vacuum. I, again, I'm taking, I'm trying to take each sketch where Charles Grodin breaks. If that were the only one and everything else was something different, I could see myself liking any of them. It's just all of them in succession that's the problem for me. It's just too much. Yeah. Because um, I enjoyed the, so they're singing Sound of Silence. Uh, Charles Grodin doesn't know the words. Paul Simon gets pissed off and leaves. And then Charles Grodin starts singing Bridge Over Troubled Water. And then he gets to like this note that he can't hit. So he's like, ah! and he's like, ooh, I don't, I don't think that, that note was right. Can we play that back? When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in. Your eyes, I will dry them all. Um, I tell you, is that is that the right key? I guess it is the right key too, isn't it? Um, could I hear that back, uh, Lauren? Could I just hear that back? I'm. When you're weary. Feeling small When tears are in Your eyes I will dry them all Yeah, I, I thought this was hilarious in like that piss off the audience kind of way because not only is Charles Grodin like bringing the show to a fucking screeching halt He's like, wait a minute. I know I brought the show to a screeching halt, but let's back up and then we'll just go right back into traffic. I'm curious because I know Andy Kaufman was on the show a lot. In fact, I yeah. believe because I 
I told you this before we started recording. I accidentally downloaded the previous episode with uh, Hugh Hefner, and I think he's in that episode, Andy Kaufman. Possibly. Uh, I, th- I think I saw him uh, in the in the opening credits. Uh, I know he was on the show a lot. Did he ever actively host the show? Uh, no. No. Because I would imagine it would be something like this. Uh, probably. No, yeah, he was only a, a special guest. Hmm. Um, and yeah, he, he, he did like his woman wrestling thing. And so he actually... I guess he's the only host who's officially banned because he was banned by a call-in vote. Yes. Where the audience got to decide if he was ever allowed on the show, so... Which, according to the the same movie that revealed that Jerry Lawler was in on the joke, it kind of suggested that that was actually real. I think it was. Well, okay, well I don't know, but, like, Dick Ebersol did not like Andy Kaufman. Oh, so that was after... That was in past season five, then. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because, yeah, that, I mean... Because that feels like a bit. It feels like a joke. Like, obviously, they were going to have him. And I think in the movie, he says, like, I can come on and dispute it or whatever. But, like, they're like, no, this is real. And it's like, that doesn't that doesn't track. Saturday Night Live is bullshit. Yeah, no, you'd think it wouldn't be real. But I I think, I, I don't know if it was real. Like, if they were like, okay, this is ironclad. If the audience votes against you, we will never let you back on. But I think Dick Ebersole was like, hey, you know what? I hate the motherfucker anyway. <laughs> Let's never have him back. I'm trying to think, did... Did Andy Kaufman survive into when uh, Lauren Michaels came back? Was he dead? Uh, I don't know when he died. I can't remember. Because like, I'm surprised if he was alive, if they didn't, why didn't they go like, oh, Dick Ebersol has gone. I can, Andy Kaufman can come back. Yeah. What was that? 85? Yeah. 85 like when Lauren came back. Then. I might have been. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't, I don't really know. But they could have bought um, Charles Grodin back to do this shit again. He said no. He did not want to come back. He wanted the mystery to remain alive. Yeah, he came back for like two fucking Beethoven sequels, but one episode of Saturday Night Live apparently <laughs> would, would fucking violate his dignity. Uh, but yeah, then after uh, after this, we get the killer bees. I don't fucking get the bees. I don't know what the fucking bees are. But again, that's why I kind of respected this, because I hate the bees. And Charles Grodin doesn't understand the bees. I don't get the bees either. So, like, in this sketch, I was on Charles Grodin's side. Wait, wait a second, John. Uh, uh, what is this? No, talk! We want your party! Oh, Harvey, do what they say. They look dangerous. Well, we, we don't have any pollen. Uh, uh, excuse me, John. I'm sorry. Uh, what, what are these outfits you have on? Uh, Gilda, did you know they were going to be dressed like this in the scene? No, I'm really thrown. I'm sorry. Are you supposed to be some kind of animals? We are not animals. We are the killer bees. Give us your pollen now. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I just that I didn't expect to see you in these costumes. Uh, they're terrific, but you didn't wear them in rehearsal. And uh, maybe you wore them in dress, but 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 I, it just seems all different than what I've seen. Why do you pretend that you have no pollen? Uh, no, we are not fools. <laughs> Um, it's just it's just these little things moving around on your head. I, I, I think it's very distracting to the audience. Uh, I mean, it's been my experience as an actor that when things move on somebody's head, uh, the audience is going to look at them. Chuck, uh, Chuck, see the man over there with the cards? They have your lines on them. Could you just say your lines? No, I, I know my lines. Uh, well, see, actually, I, I really, I'm really a little thrown in this scene. I mean, 
I'm sorry. I've, I've really kind of lost my... I'm very, very sorry. I've just lost my place completely. And, uh, look, could we, could we take it again? I just... Could we take those little things off your heads? There maybe? is no again, Chuck. There's no again. This is live television. It's not the movies. Yeah. Well, I realize we're doing it live, but, uh, you know, there's good live and there's bad live. And uh, maybe we should try to do uh, some good live. Is this a recurring sketch? Because I know the bees, as far as like the bees singing, is that the same as this, or is that? Because I, I was actually thinking like, did they have two separate, entirely separate, recurring bee sketches? They would just always, uh, they were just fucking bees. I don't know. I think it was like an inside joke, and I know John Belushi hated being in the bee costume. Like he thought it was humiliating, and I think that was kind of part of the inside joke is that they were doing this because it was kind of lame. And they, well, they were doing it because, I guess, because he hated it. That's, I mean, that kind of makes it fun. If I knew that, I think I would enjoy this or appreciate it more if I knew that, that Jim Belushi's brother hated being in the bee costume. Right. And I think, um, because how like would you that. know that as an audience? Right. Well, then I liked how, like, Charles Grodin's like, I don't, I don't understand. Are you bees? Are you children dressed as bees? And then they don't know either. Garrett's like, I think we're bees. But like, if that was the meta joke from the beginning, like every time they did the sketch before then, John Belushi would question it and go like, I don't, I hate, I really hate this. Like, what is it? Like if he'd broken character every time and then this was like a continuation of that bit, you know, maybe that yeah, would work. I, in all honesty, I don't, I don't get the fucking bees. I just. And that's the problem. It's I not just... a funny sketch to begin. He's not ruining a funny sketch. He's ruining oh, no. a shitty sketch. I wanted it to be like, this is the worst sketch in the world, and he's ruining it, and then that's when Jim, John Belushi has to defend it. And you're like, no, I came here as Chauncey the Farting Ghost, you know, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> that would have been funny if it was something just so, uh, you know, not smart. Well, like, I, I don't know for how, speaking out of school, but I remember you. we were used to write for an independent sketch show. And I distinctly remember, I think the only sketch you ever wrote for it was... This, like, incontinent old lady that was, like, deliberately the worst recurring sketch ever? Uh, I did not write that sketch. I rewrote that sketch. But it wasn't... The premise you brought to it, I don't believe, was the original point, right? The idea of it being the worst sketch ever was your idea. That was my idea. Because you read it, and it was legitimately the worst sketch ever, and you went, why don't we just make it the worst sketch ever, and it's a pooping old lady? Yeah, no, if memory serves me right, the sketch was about, like, Two people talking to an old lady, and the old lady was talking about having diarrhea or something. And I hated the sketch, so I just decided I'd make it the worst sketch ever. So I think I made it like I, I think, if memory serves me right, she was having diarrhea on nine eleven on the eighty fifth floor of the Twin Towers. And I think like, the implication the being, yeah, the implication being that that's what actually caused nine eleven. Right, and then like. I think, and my idea was, like, we'd do it every week, like, we'd beat the shit in the ground. <laughs> like, every week this old lady would show up and she'd be like, I got another story about taking a shit! And it would be the worst sketch ever. And then finally, like, she would rip off her wig and, like, denounce it all. That was the plan, at least. But that wasn't the only sketch I wrote. I wrote, uh, Joe Ratchman, <laughs> the, the soul singer who sings dirty songs. Oh, that's right. The character I would go on to play in many, many short films. Um, uh, no, Joe Ratchman was his buddy who works down at the subway, <laughs> who films everything. It was a soul singer whose songs were uh, incredibly dirty. Uh, and then that was the joke, is that they would get dirtier and filthier to the point where they make absolutely no sense. Yeah, we should release those sketches like on the, on the podcast feed so that people can watch them and then realize that we have no place criticizing anyone else. <laughs> 
for the way they write sketches. <laughs> I think they're still on YouTube. At least they were at one point, unless that YouTube account got deleted. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> those are the sketches I write. The one about a soul singer going, I'm going to put it in your butt and my buddy Joe Ratchman's going to film it. Uh, but I'll criticize the bees all I fucking want. Yeah, this I I just could not. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. It, it should have been heightened to the point where I kind of wanted it to be bro- the the reality to be broken. Because as of now, I just I just you know, just give me a regular fucking sketch. I know what I know what this is going to be. He's going to question the reality of the sketch, and then we're going to be done. So at least show me something interesting within the sketch itself. And it's not. It's just fucking bees. Yeah, and it goes on a little too long. Um, much like the next the next sketch, which I knew you were not going to. You be mean a fan this classic fucking. Our example of television, this is the reason we mourn Gilda Radner, because every time anybody brings up how it's sad that Gilda Radner's dead, they bring up this fucking sketch, which fucking sucked balls. <sighs> a little bit of Gilda, I think, goes a long way. Um, I think Gilda Radner was a very talented actress and comedian, but... I saw I, no evidence of it in this episode. Yeah, I, I was... I, I'm not a fan... Well, I'm not a fan of any sketch that is just basically... Let's put a performer on stage and just wind them up and let them go. You know, cause there is no real plot to this. This is basically just Gilda Radner's playing a young girl who gets sent to her room. And when she's in her room, she puts on an imaginary television show with her stuffed animals. And it's just Gilda Radner jumping on the bed, screaming, putting on wigs and stuff and pretending she's making a TV show. Like what real kids would do in their room. But And, I, and um, I'm assuming this is like she was at a friend's house and watched their kid do this shit and went, that's a character. And this, you mentioned like improv. This feels like, you know, when you're auditioning for an improv troupe and you audition with your funny character that you're going to do for the audition and this is the one that they turn you away for. You do this and they're like, no, we don't want you on our <laughs> fucking shitty improv team. Well, I think this is... Like, this same concept has been done numerous times after this. I mean, I'm sure this wasn't, like, a new thing. Like, just having a grown person play a rambunctious child. Well, the Mike like Myers sketch with him in the tub. The, the guy like, who does yeah. his drawings is basically the same idea. But it's a funnier character, and there's usually jokes attached. Hmm, I don't know. I I'm think not I'll saying it's a classic. <laughs> I'm just saying it's better than this. I think it's been a long time since you've seen Simon, the British boy who draws pictures well, in the tub. Simon, wouldn't he always have, like, wouldn't, like, like Sting was on, so, like, Sting would be in the tub with him, you know, or something? Danny DeVito is in one. So, yeah, like, there there would be a weird twist to it. It wouldn't just be him saying sh- dumb shit. Yeah, well, this was the first time they did Judy Miller, and I think this is only one of two. They didn't... This was one they did not run into the ground, surprisingly. Well, every list but, of, like, nostalgic things about this era, they list this. Yeah, because I think she did this in uh, the Guild Alive movie, because she had like a one-woman show on Broadway, and I'm pretty sure this character was in that, so I think that's why it's more recognized. I am so bored! Because my room is the boring room of the world! <laughs> This is my planet Earth, and this is my planet Earth, and this is my universe, and this is my I don't know, and I don't know. 
because again, I was waiting for like, and I'm, and because I'm fucking dark and weird, I'm waiting for like the dad to come in and go like, now it's time to molest you, Judy, or something <laughs> horrible, but like something to like make it a sketch because it's not a sketch. It's just a, a shit that happens and then stops happening. Oh yeah, no, it's just it's pure performance. Um, but yeah, on the, along those lines, if we ever watch another episode from this era, we should watch one of the Buck Henrys where he plays uh, Uncle Roy. I think. Do they have a child molester recurring character? It, Buck Henry did it three times, where the character was Uncle Roy, and the joke was that Uncle Roy was showing up and wanted to molest their kids. <laughs> See, that's the kind of sketch I would write and appreciate. Yeah, that was the fucking joke, is that he was just a pedophile uncle, and he'd be like, okay, kids, it's bath time! (laughs) Like, the audience would be loving it, laughing at it. I know I said one of my favorite sketches was the molester robot. I don't want it to be, like, I want every sketch to be child molestation. (laughs) I only like sketches with child molestation. Well, because, like, one of my other favorite sketches is from the the one with the, the, the sitcom where they switch bodies. And it's all about the little kid fucking his mom. Right, right, right. But, like, those are legitimately funny sketches, right? <laughs> and the only sketches in Saturday Night Live's history I can remember. Would you Would you prefer watching either of those or any of the sketches in this episode? Uh, I, I think I will take those two sketches. Again, do you remember any other sketch in that episode? No. But what I'm saying is... Exactly. We support child molestation <laughs> and we oppose Gilda Radner. <laughs> We are pro Jim Belushi, and we are pro child molestation. We're pro Charles Rocket. We're pro. I don't think we're pro. We're still anti Ghost Dad, right? Uh, yeah. I did. We didn't like Ghost Dad, did we? I don't remember liking that movie. I know we watched it. I can't remember it now. All I remember is that I think we watched it before we knew Chris uh, Cosby was a rapist. Yeah, so it sounds like we're at least pro Cosby in that podcast. That's true. If you listen to some of our episodes. We are pro Cosby. Oh. And that hasn't changed, goddammit. We just, we like horrible things. We like Bill Cosby, we like child molesters. Oh. Uh, and then, I, I didn't like this next one. The Professional School of Football, which is just Garrett Morris saying the word groin injury. I'm not saying it's again. amazing. I'm just saying it was the one thing where it felt like somebody wrote it, and it wasn't just like fucking improv garbage. Like, it felt like he had a character, he had an idea. I thought it was going to turn into more of like it's a scam. Like that's the, I think that's the idea, but they never really realized that. Right. He, he's pitching that he can teach you football through the mail. Like he just sends you a book with a questionnaire, and if you get all the questions right, you'll be a great football player. Yeah. But all the questions have uh, are multiple choice, and one of in every question, one of the answers is groin injury. Now, complete this sentence. Uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get a going. B, cranky. C, groin. <laughs> You'll be surprised how many people say C, but if you said A, the tough get going, then you have the mentality it takes to be a pro football player. Now, try this question. You are the quarterback. It is third down and 15. Do you A, pass, B, complain, or C, sustain a groin injury? <laughs> You'll be surprised how many people say C. But it reminded me of that thing they used to sell when we were kids on TV, the you can be a great artist thing. Yeah, draw that fucking turtle. Yeah. <laughs> And you'll, and you'll be a cartoon strip artist next week. Did you ever see uh, the, the documentary Crumb? Yeah. Where they, yeah, they do that. Like, they, both of them, Crumb and his brother, took got that test. And they drew, like, oh, naked yeah. women and shit all over. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I don't think I ever actually did it. I don't think we ever ordered it. But... 
I was always fascinated by that. Like, I could be an artist because I'm a dumbass kid. I don't know. And then we are fun. Well, we we skipped fucking Paul Simon. We skipped the musical guest. You know if what? If you want to hear about Paul Simon, find another fucking podcast. I feel like we didn't actually skip Captain Beefheart, but we skipped oh, Paul no. Simon. Oh, no. I made you watch Captain Beefheart. <laughs> of course I did. Oh. I mean, I'll watch a million Paul Simon guest appearances before I fucking watch Captain Beefheart again. <laughs> oh, we, we had to watch Captain Beefheart. And then uh, the last sketch of the night is the other sketch that I really enjoyed. Uh, this and Consumer Probe, I would say, are my two favorite. Uh, we end with Hire the Incompetent, which is just a collection of uh, people talking about how bad they are at their jobs, but they want respect. I, I like the premise of this. My but It pissed me off right away, though, because at the end of Bill Murray's bit, he goes, so put me on welfare. And it felt like a, like a, like a right wing, like, see, poor people are poor because they're dumb and they're all on welfare. Like, it felt like that kind of like really mean spirited joke. And it soured the rest of the sketch for me. Well, I, it's not that they're poor. It's that they're incompetent. I, I, I liked Charles Grodin's intro to this where he's like, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't uh, look down on the incompetent. What, just because they can't do a job as well as someone who knows how to do that job? But like, I know, but the mention of welfare in that context of that sketch, because people who are on welfare are on it because they're suffering through hard times, usually through no fault of their own. Sometimes it's through a deficit of education. Sometimes it's just circumstances. Our family was on welfare for a time when we were kids. But so, but like to say, like, to associate welfare with this person is so dumb that they are unemployable that was the problem I had. It was the idea that the only reason somebody would be on welfare is if they were as dumb as this guy. Oh, I, I, I was still laughing at uh, eggs bottom, cans top. That's how my mind works. Um, I worked at the supermarket packing groceries in the brown bags for customers, and I kept putting fragiles like eggs and tomatoes on the bottom, <laughs> and uh, heavy stuff like ten pound bags of kitty litter and economy sized cans of bean on beans on the top. And the heavy stuff would crush the soft stuff, you know, just smash it. And the slime would drip out of the bottom of the bag and break and spill all over these ladies' good coats. They get really cheesed off and complain about me. You know, but that's just the way my mind works, you know, eggs bottom, cans top. And, you know, if that's such a crime, go ahead, put me on welfare. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a solid enough premise for a sketch, and it's well done, and the performances are all good. That just, that one moment just hit my fucking liberal coffers badly, and I couldn't appreciate the rest of it. And then Gilda Radner, this is the uh, introduction to her Roseanne, Rosanna Dana character. She's not named, but oh, I did not realize wearing that. the same wig. I've heard that name before, but I don't think I've ever actually seen the sketch. Just pick a random episode from these first five years, and you will probably see Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. Uh, she's fucking on every episode or every weekend update. Um, but yeah, she gets fired for putting hair in hamburgers, but not pit hair. It's just head hair. What's the recurring bit in the actual sketches she's in? Uh, she was a weekend update commentator, and um, she would just basically ramble. Like, it'd be like, you know, and here with the commentary is Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, and she's going to be talking about, you know, the American flag. And she'd be like, I know the American flag. It's like my buddy Roger. And Roger used to say to me, hey, your pits are smelly. And I got smelly. And like, she would just go off on random See, I feel like I could have guessed that without even asking you that that's exactly what it was. If I, like, when I asked, like, what's the bit? And the answer is, no bit. That's because <laughs> that's it. That's, that's what this fucking bits. show is. What are you talking about? She just says some fucking words for two minutes, and then she leaves. See, and this is where I think instinctually I'm like, whatever you want to say about the modern incarnation of the show, it's inherently better than this. Because I don't think they 
because of how polished it is on at least a larger structural level. I know you say that you talk about like they, they, it's sometimes geared towards you know failure. There's there's never room for that shit. There's never a character that like even if they are like a character that seems like they were built in improv. There's always a bit. There's always something to justify its presence. I don't know. I mean, sketches maybe, but if we're talking weekend updates, well, weekend updates never been. It's always been shit. What I'm saying yeah, is no, like I'll... there are, there are whole sketches in this that I feel like. They, somebody just made it up in the room like they didn't have a sketch that week or what if I'm a little girl and I jump around and they went ah great do that I feel like that doesn't happen anymore uh, yeah it does as someone who watches every episode of Saturday Night Live not to the point that I associate like I associate this era the of the same. show with that whereas I don't with, with the current show yeah that's true I mean there was more um, well because these guys were all you know hired out of Second City or at least most of them were. And so a lot of them, they had, you know, these characters all ready to go that they've done on stage. It's like, all right, put this character on. And, it, and I mean, give Judy Miller some fucking slack, you know? It's the end of the night. It's not like they're starting with Judy Miller. They're just like, hey, let's put this on near the end of the show. Gilda, go run around and jump around a little bit. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't get behind it. I cannot fucking get behind it. <clears throat> I, I hated all of this, and I just, I, there was no redeeming, there was no redeeming sketch. There was no, even in, like, some of the worst sketches, I'm trying to think, like, the Malcolm McDowell sketch, I think, there was even one where I was like, at least there was that. I don't remember what it was, but I feel like I said Ooh. that somewhere on the podcast. You have selective amnesia of that episode, I, I mean, friend. again, I can't, I can't be sure of it, because I can't place what it was, but, ugh. Um, I, but I liked uh, the ending of this sketch. It, they brought everything full circle because after everybody's uh, monologues about how incompetent they are, Charles Grodin starts reading off the cue cards and he's like, hey, you got to hire the incompetent. Like me, they hired me to host the show. Wait, I, what? I haven't read these lines before. Isn't this a pathetic waste of ineptitude? Believe me, I know how they feel. Look at me. They hired me as host, and you couldn't exactly call me competent. Wait, I've never seen these cue cards before. I'd never be saying these things about myself or or, or anyone incompetent. Gee, you know, it's perfectly clear by now that no one really appreciates all the time I spend at the the, the sweater counter at Saks alone. See, part of it, too, is like, even with, like, the worst episodes, even with the Justin Bieber or the Malcolm McDowell, whatever... I, every sketch is going to be different to the point where like, I, well, maybe this one will be good. I'll have hope. Maybe the hope is dashed. But at least I have that moment of hope. Every time Charles Grown was on, like, I, okay, now I, I, once the pattern set in, I'm like, I know it's going to be yeah. the same shit. So I don't even have hope that the sketch is going to be good. And of course it isn't. But that, that's, I, I liked it because it's different. It, it, I like the episodes that kind of stray away from the format. I, don't um, I also like I liked his song at the end. I thought that was hilarious because through the whole episode, he's been teasing this song. He's like, I wrote a song. It's about my feelings of life and I want to sing it on the show. And at one point he's he asks Lauren and Lauren's voice comes over and he's like, so, Lauren, am I, am I going to sing my song now? And he's like, no, no, no. The song's been cut. He's like, oh, but it's my it's the song I wrote about my feelings on life. And then he finally sings it at the end of the show. And it's just like help a person be a friend. Hang on till the very end. A car, TV, some cake, a wife. These are my feelings about life. I don't know. I 
even that. I, <laughs> I liked it. See, but this is the kind of shit, like, after this, they would do stuff like this, where they would go backstage. I mean, I guess they did that, but, like, but they would always just have, like, one thing. Like, like Steve Martin would have a bit where he'd talk to the actors as, a, as the actors, and then he'd do some sketches. And, yeah. and that's all you need. You don't need the whole fucking episode to be devoted to it. That's, I think, the... If they weren't gonna willing to go all the way for, with it and make make me believe it, then just do one sketch like this and then do the rest of the show. Do the rest of the show normal. I I enjoyed the change of format and um, but yeah, I I do wish it was more believable because yeah, from the word go, you're like, oh, this is a joke that they are doing. Like they are obviously actors reading off cue cards. Well, and it's weird how why the, would anyone think this is real? How the urban legend gets created because like. Until fairly recent, like this was in an era where they didn't have home video necessarily, so yeah, like people saw this once and then, or maybe they didn't even see it. They just heard people describe it and were like, "Really? He didn't know his lines?" And that's how it started. And now it's like people still talk about it because some shitty writer who just references this, like he just died, so they're gonna write the oh, and remember that SNL thing where he got banned because he didn't know his lines? They didn't go back and watch that episode. They just fucking wrote it. Uh, I I read that in uh, Charles Grodin obituary recently. I'm sure it yeah. was like oh, and one of his most infamous things was when he was banned from SNL for going off script. And I'm like, well, this person is writing an obituary on Charles Grodin, and obviously did not watch that episode. Yeah, and he probably didn't mention how great Clifford was because he didn't bother watching that either. Right? Where was fucking Clifford? <laughs> what do you think uh, the the uh, clip they're going to show in the Oscars for Charles Grodin? Do you think it'll be Clifford? I certainly hope so. I hope it's Clifford. Remember that lamp or, bit? Uh, it was fucking brilliant. I hope it's his uh, his uh, performance in Zach Braff's The X. I wonder, I wonder if it's going to be Beethoven 3 or 4. I don't even know how many <laughs> Beethoven movies he did. I know he did at least the first two. I think only the first two and then Judge Reinhold replaced I remember him. Judge Reinhold replaced him eventually. I can't remember. I didn't. I wasn't really a devotee of the Beethoven films past the first one. Keep mistyping. All right. So Charles Grodin episode... Uh, you are obviously a nay vote. Fuck. It's not, okay, I'm not going to say it's as bad as the Malcolm McDowell episode, which is, I believe, the worst one we've watched, right? Oh, absolutely. That That is probably the worst episode in SNL's history. But, like, I think I probably liked more of the Paul Reiser episode, honestly. Uh, Paul, well, I mean, it, this is this episode had a different flow. It's from the... The first five years. That's the thing. I don't. It's I don't hate as... this episode for the same reasons that I've hated a lot of the bad episodes. They were bad for re- like recognizable reasons. This was bad because of a a faulty premise that wasn't executed well. Yeah. Um. But I think watching it at eleven thirty in nineteen seventy seven, you'd be like, "What the fuck's going on?" I don't know. I don't know how. And you're I would probably feel high too because it's the seventies. Hell yeah, man! But that's my thing: is this show's only good if you're fucking high. That means it sucks. <laughs> That is true. I did recently kind of, uh, not completely stop, but really cut back on the weed. And you enjoy life less, right? <laughs> you know what? It Cutting back on the weed did kind of uh, correlate with my not liking SNL anymore, so I'm not gonna you lie. may be onto something I haven't there. smoked pot since college. I've been in a depressive funk ever since. <laughs> I just, like, I hate the world. I don't hate the world. I, I feel like I feel good. A good but... fifteen years now. I just I've been in a potless fugue of of just not liking anything. Uh, all right. So anyway, okay, we are passing on this. Okay, we are now at the point of the show where we are picking what we're going to do for next week. Um, well, we could watch the episode of SNL where Jenny Slate says "fuck" because I rolled Jenny Slate's name. I mean, we could watch Big Mouth, but she's no longer on that show. 
Oh, right. I never watched that show. She plays a black woman? Well, she did, and then she quit, and they recast her with a black actress. It's a great cartoon, actually. It's a great show. I'd recommend it. Uh, watch past the first couple episodes, because it's kind of hard to start, but afterwards, it's, it's okay. really good. I was Because I did, I did watch, like, two or three episodes, and I just wasn't getting into yeah, it. It's... Maybe. Oh. Okay. Jenny Slate is a reroll. Uh, number 62 on the Excel spreadsheet is... Uh, if it will load, I am curious. Billy to Crystal. There you go. The rabbit test is the first thing you click on. Uh, that was the first one he was in. <laughs> Man, he doesn't have an ex- as as an extensive filmography as I would have thought. <laughs> Mister Saturday Night. You click on Mister Saturday Night. Well, this is going to be a good one, really. I don't know. I've never seen it. I feel like that's more of a dramedy. It is. I believe it's a. I guess it's a comedy. I think it's a drama about a comedian. Well, I mean, I don't know. We just fucking watched Punchline. Do we need to fucking do another one of those? City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. I will always watch City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. (laughs) It is legitimately, I think, a very underrated 90s comedy. I remember really liking City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, which we will always say the full title of that movie. <laughs> well, because <laughs> it's... Never abbreviated. It is, it is, I, I would at least say it's a sequel better than the original, because John Lovitz is much better than that fucking guy who died. I don't even know his name, but... Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby. Is he another guy you're glad that's <laughs> Much dead? like Gilda Radner, I'm glad he's fucking dead. <laughs> can, we, can we put him on the list? Can we just bury, move all the bodies to a cemetery... <laughs> That's just the Ben's glad you're ben. dead memorial cemetery. <laughs> just tombstones of people who have been in shitty movies we watched. And all the epitaphs are just wow. insults from me. <laughs> uh, but I, I haven't seen City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, since I saw it on home video like in 1995. Dude, if you want to take I a break really from bad shit it. and just watch something we know we'll like, I will totally watch Curly's Gold. I mean, it might be fun to just defend a movie that everyone says is shit. I know, because it is, I feel like, notoriously bad. Like, people think yeah, it's, like, the um, worst thing ever. And Parental Guidance. That, that has a, I've never seen it, but I feel like that has the potential to be sort of like a daddy daycare sort of insane, s- s- stupid movie. That's what I thought, maybe. It'd be, like, but I don't know. Know, so bad it's good. Um, so, yeah, City Slickers 2. I, I, guess, I, I don't care. I'll watch anything. I'll even watch an episode from season 10 of Saturday Night Live where Billy Crystal, we could pull one up where he's in blackface. You mean just any episode of yeah. Billy Crystal's in Saturday Just pick a random episode of Saturday Night Live and Billy Crystal will probably be in blackface. I, I'm up for, I would say, I'm at this point I'm saying either Curly's Gold or either uh, City Slickers 2, The Search for Curly's Gold or uh, Parental Guidance. Parental Guidance. Um, I would probably rather watch City yeah. Slickers That's 2. the sure thing. Parental Guidance is a risk. Uh, so yeah. let, let's go with that. Um because I actually, yeah, I remember liking it, but who knows? I saw it when I was. T- how Look, long ago did you see City Slickers oh, Two: sure, The Legend of Curly's Gold? I might have seen it like in, on TV in my twenties, but that maybe I don't know. But uh, probably teenage year. Years, I, I, yeah. All right, City Slickers Two: The Legend of Curly's Gold. I just Gold. remember there it is for uh, free. they have to suck poison out of uh, one of the guy's asses. Uh, the only part of that movie I remember is John Lovitz just being John Lovitz. <laughs> And he's doing. He has a speech from I think The Godfather. He's he has memorized The Godfather, so he randomly quotes it. Yeah. No, I I remember um, liking liking that quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. City Slickers Two, The Legend of Curly's Gold. The Legend. Gold I said the search for Curly's Gold. I apologize. It is the City Slickers Two the, sur- the yeah the the Legend of Curly's Gold. The Legend of Curly's Gold. All right. City Slickers Two, 
<laughs> the legend of Curly's Gold next week. We shall see. Once again, because... our podcast is really bad, and you shouldn't listen I'm to just... it. For you know, obviously, this movie's got to be shitty, right? I but well, that's the thing we talk about. It. We both talked about it glowingly, like, "Oh, remember this great movie from our childhoods?" No, it's <laughs> gonna be really bad. But I think we're still both gonna love it because we're idiots. Possibly, but you know how I I, I know it's bad. It's called City Slickers Two: The Legend of Curly's Gold. I feel like the original City Slickers is still regarded as a good movie, right? I don't actually like it. Um, I like the the sequel. Yeah, no, I I like City Slickers. I think City Slickers is a good movie. I think it's great until Bruno Kirby comes on and fucking ruins everything. <laughs> until you see Bruno Kirby, and then like, I wish I'm, this was John Lovitz. I'm watching it, and I'm like, Jesus, why can't this guy die already? And then, and then I you fuck, pull up then a, I fucking killed him. And then you Google search uh, Bruno Kirby's tombstone, and you start jerking off to it. Well, I waited until they put it in after I murdered him. Alright, so I'm making it official. I am updating the spreadsheet. City Slickers 2, The Legend of Kirby's Gold. That is is what we will be watching next week. Alright, so until we see you then. Get off the show. Get off the show. Oh wait, I forgot my last line. What is it? Oh no, this bit where I forgot that we were doing a podcast. Should have showed up to podcast rehearsal. (laughs) Where Where we plan the podcast out ahead of time, word for word. I didn't read the script to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, you've been a wonderful audience. As you see, this is just kidding. But, you know, right, John? Yeah, Mr. Spaceman. Sure. Right. No, right. It's just a joke. Thank you to Paul and to Art and to, and, to, uh, and to Lorraine and everybody in the Persuasions. And you've been a terrific audience. It's been a wonderful night for us. Yeah.